and welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Adam Meekins. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. Their technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Adam onto the show. So, Adam, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks very much for inviting me, Matt. Looking forward to it. Me too. It's going to be a good one. So, for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. So, obviously, my name is Adam. I'm a physiotherapist and have been now for nearly 20 years. I haven't always been a physiotherapist. I did my first degree in sports science for a few years. I worked as a a coach in various different uh, sports clubs and environments there for a few years, but started to realize that physiotherapists have a better career path. So I went over uh, to the dark side and became a physio in 2000. And I've worked in various different settings in the NHS, private practice. I've worked in professional sports for Watford Football Club and West uh, Ham Football Club as well. My role now is pretty much split between private practice and the NHS, and I'm uh, known as a specialist in management of upper limb conditions. So I particularly focus in management of shoulder and elbow pain and injuries. So that's me in a nutshell. Fantastic. So we're here to discuss uh, how physios and SNC coaches can learn from each other. Um, first things first, why is it important to learn from each other? What, what does that give us? Well, I think, you know, it's trying to step outside of our own echo chambers. I think each profession very much has its, you know, little circles and its silos. And I think sometimes, you know, when we are discussing ways and means of doing things, we tend to discuss it with like-minded individuals. And so I think we sometimes tend to suffer with group think mentality where we all tend to think the same thing because we're talking to people with similar mindsets and similar training. So I do think it's good us to, you know, work in multidisciplinary teams with, you know, professionals across different specialities because it allows us to say broaden our horizons and allow us to, you know, learn from each other and be exposed to different ideas and ways of doing things. And I think that can be beneficial not only for our knowledge, but also for those that we see and when we're helping them with their pain and their problems and uh, One of my personal heroes, Richard Feynman, famously said it, we all have a limited knowledge and we all tend to use it in a limited way. So we just have to recognize we can't know everything. We can't understand everything. We are, you know, limited in what we understand. We specialize in certain areas, but that doesn't mean that we uh, don't need to talk and discuss things with other people who know other things to a better level. And I also think the other thing it does is working with other professions. It, I think it just cuts down the arrogance, ego and elitism <laughs> that I think also happens as well. It just breaks down those hierarchical barriers. If you're starting to interact a bit more with other professions, you start to realize that you're not the top of your tree. OK, you're, you're pretty much on a, a level playing field with everybody else. And I do think physiotherapy suffers a lot with that. It tends to say in the you know rehab and 
um, injury world tends to see itself, say, quite arrogantly as, as top of the tree. And it sort of looks down on strength and conditioning coaches and personal trainers. And I find that quite annoying personally. So I think, you know, working in a larger and team environment helps reduce that. And I think you could look at that the other way as well. I think there's uh, a number of S&C coaches who, who think they're better than physios, which uh, might also not be the case, certainly depending on the, the S&C coach or physio. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a, nice, uh, a nice little learning point for, for both sides. Um, yeah. And in terms of, uh, we'll start with physio. So what physios can learn from S&C and then and later on what S&C can learn from physio. So in terms of uh, physios, what do you think are the, are the biggest mistakes that you see physios making in terms of uh, rehab training? <laughs> where to stop this is uh, probably where i'm going to upset a lot of physios listening because i am known for being quite blunt and direct with my views and opinions on this and i do speak quite often and quite directly about my concerns with physios prescribing exercises and there are many problems i think they have here i think the biggest one though is um they just do it poorly They're, uh, particularly with their dosage so i find physiotherapists are crazily bad at underloading uh a certain group of people particularly athletes you know if you're working with a, either a weekend warrior semi-professional or professional athlete physiotherapists working in these environments i think are 90 percent of the time i'm not going to tart everybody with the same brush because there are some exceptionally good physios out there but they are in the minority but most physios underload <laughs> Uh, their people uh, rarely dosing intensity I, one of my biggest pet hates is physiotherapy exercise prescriptions not only just you know in day-to-day -day practice but also in research in the literature these people are just dosing exercise based on sets reps and frequency without even a cursory glance or discussion about what level of fucking intensity to do it at <laughs> So it drives me nuts. It's like, you know, you wouldn't expect a doctor to prescribe a tablet to somebody and say, here, take these tablets three times a day for the next six weeks without writing out how much dosage of the medication is going to go into those tablets. Yet physios do the same thing when they prescribe exercises for pain and problems. You know, they'll say, do these exercises three times for six weeks, but at no dosage level not uh, you know i want you to do it to 50 percent intensity 90 percent intensity i want you to go into the only got two reps left in the tank they just don't think or consider that at all so that really really annoys me and then the other thing i also get quite frustrated about is i don't think physios get taught very well about exercise physiology and the sort of variables and the parameters around it so i don't think many physios could tell you the difference between a macro cycle and a meso cycle or a fucking bicycle I don't think many would be able to tell you the difference between linear block or underlating periodization. And I definitely know not many physios would know ADAPRI from their RPE or Maya reps from a split set either. So again, just knowing some basics around these simple exercise prescriptions, I think absolutely could help hugely physiotherapists be more um, successful with the people they're seeing. But yet they tend to muck about with these stupid little pissy little isolated exercises and again i think it's because they get trained to do this they're very much when i was a physiotherapist and it still is going now very much taught about how exercise has to be done perfectly correctly everything has to be done in perfect alignment and then you're normally asking a patient to do an exercise contracting some insignificant muscle that's being lost to evolution at 13 and a half percent of their maximal voluntary isometric contraction in a belief that it's helping it being underactive or overactive, and that is the source and the root of all their pain and problems, which it just isn't that simple either. 
So I've probably been ranting on a bit too long there. But <laughs> Not at all. I've been enjoying it. <laughs> those are some of my some of my issues with physiotherapists and exercise prescriptions. So mainly the dosing, the poor dosing, the underdosing of a lot of people with exercises. And in terms of then improving that, right, um, do you think that physios can benefit from just training themselves? And by that I mean getting on a strength training program uh, potentially even during their undergrad. But, um, if you, if you're an, if you're a physio now listening, do you think it's then, uh, useful to just get under the bar for a bit and feel what intensity is? And then, yeah, for example, perform some squats and deadlifts and bench, whatever that might be and see how that feels for six weeks and try and work out what kind of adaptations they're giving someone when they considerably underload with mini band exercises three times 15 for infinity. Absolutely, like I think you know, it's a it's a great way of learning is to actually be you know experienced and exposed to it yourself. So I do think again, a, a lot of fear around heavy loads that physiotherapists have is because they don't engage with it, they don't do it themselves, and uh, I think that is one reason uh, that they do it so poorly. They they have got a lot of fear that you know heavy load is going to damage and break things, and it's harmful and it's dangerous. But you know, if you do it uh, for a period of time and you start to experience what it feels like you actually start to realize it's not as dangerous or as hard so i think you know yeah that is a great point physios do need to engage it with resistance work a lot more themselves personally and then try to learn a bit more around the technical aspects of it as well and i think the undergraduate programs can do a better job of that i think a lot of the undergraduate programs syllabus curriculum is filled up with too much nonsense there's too much waste in there that could be cut out and you know the time used better to help you know teach more around exercise physiology and exercise prescription so i do think that is something else for the uh, the universities to consider and again you know if you are a physiotherapist out there that has finished your training and you do feel lacking in your exercise prescription skills then yeah read more around it you know self teach yourself self learn you know there's lots of good sources out there there's also some shit sources out there as well <laughs> there's a lot of crap information out there but you know through filtering it and hopefully you know asking recommendations from people you trust you can find the good stuff and you know go on some post good postgraduate courses that i know some snc coaches are out there doing trying to integrate you know their knowledge to physiotherapists and i definitely would recommend people go on those things This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market, developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based training system available, and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. So in terms of uh, what physios directly can learn from SNC, let's say you've got a physio and an SNC coach uh, working for the same team. Um, yep. What can they directly learn from the SNC coaches around them? So I think the first one that I'd probably say is I think physios could learn good, simple coaching skills from strength and conditioning coaches. Again, another problem with physios when they prescribe exercises, they love giving fucking internal cues when prescribing <laughs> exercises. You know, again, it's normally down to their past experience and training in motor control theory. So, again, I'm not going to blame them for doing this, but they love to tell patients to contract their left gamella superior whilst posteriorly tilting their right pelvis 2.3 degrees whilst isometrically holding their right upper dorsimus nice and stable and level. 
and a poor old patient's going, what the fucking hell am I doing here? What, what is this supposed to be? You know, but physios love to give exercises with a thousand internal cues and it confuses the patients. They've got no idea. And the exercise doesn't get done to any sufficient, say, intensity or, you know, utility. So I think, you know, coaches, S&C coaches are very much better at, you know, using clear, simple, concise external cues, you know, using uh, the environment as well to help gauge the movement of the person doing the exercise. And I think physiotherapists could learn a lot from S&C coaches about how to just simply teach and coach exercises because that's that's in their job. You know, it's that third word that a lot of people forget that S&C specialists have. They're coaches. They learn to coach people. They learn to talk to people and they get good at it. And us physios, unfortunately, we don't get much teaching on that and we don't get good at it. So I think, yeah, physios, go and find a good strength and conditioning coach and just watch them, just observe them, just listen to them, watch them and hear what they say, the words they use and the, the little tips and tricks they use of constraining the environment for an individual to move the way they want them to move. So that would be my number one top tip. Fantastic. So uh, we're going to then flip the tables a little bit because um, we've been physio bashing for a few minutes and can't do that all the time. <laughs> um, so in terms of then what S&C can take from physio, what do you think are the biggest mistakes that S&C coaches are making um, when they're prescribing training? Yeah, so this is a little bit now harder for me to say because I don't see as many issues in the S&C community that I do with the physio community. Now, whether that's because I just engage more in the physio community than I do the S&C community you now, I don't know. Uh, but I think, you know, if I would say some of the errors or some of the mistakes I think S&C coaches make as well is, again, perhaps their over-focus on alignment and correctness of doing exercises, a bit like physios have as well. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I think doing a squat or a deadlift well is important to do. I mean, no one likes to see somebody doing a squat or a deadlift, you know, that makes you wince and you're dry heaving and vomiting and you're pulling your hair out going, oh, my fucking God, what are they doing? So, you know, really ugly looking movement isn't pleasant to watch. And I don't advise anybody does exercises under load. That's really, really ugly. But I think, you know, when we ask people to do exercises and I see strength and conditioning coaches doing this perfectly all the time under all conditions and intensities, I think we're probably making a bit of a mistake there. <clears throat> so I think, you know, there are now, again, growing evidence and emerging evidence that says, you know, from physiotherapy's point of view with regards to injury risk, that the way we perform an exercise, yes, is to be considered as a potential risk factor, but it's not the only risk factor. So I think we've just got to start understanding that there are other things why people get injured doing exercises rather than just technique. <clears throat> so again, I'm trying to find that balance with saying, you know, don't say you can suddenly ignore it and you don't have to worry about technique when you're coaching somebody to move, but just recognize you can't expect somebody to move the same way using the same movement strategy under high loads or intensities as you could when they're doing low loads and low intensities. Similar to the fact that you just don't see people running the same way when they're jogging slowly compared to when they're sprinting fast. They'll use a different movement strategy. And that's no difference than when they're doing an overhead barbell press or they're doing a squat or they're doing a deadlift. You know, if they've got different loads and different intensities, they're going to use different movement strategies. And I think we, as say, strength or strength and condition coaches are sometimes guilty of thinking that how people move under low loads and low intensities is how they should also move under high loads and high intensities. And I don't think that's correct. I think we've got that little bit now of flexibility and evidence to support us to say you don't have to worry so much about keeping things in perfect alignment. You know, that little bit around in the back when people are doing a maximal effort deadlift, it's OK. 
you know, butt winking on the squat when it's heavy at the bottom range. Again, probably going to be okay. It's not going to cause somebody, again, a major pathology or problem. Uh, there's other factors around it that may or may not cause them to have pain and problems when doing these things. I think it's, uh, it's certainly a really good point, and especially when you get to heavier lifts, it's, it's not going to be perfect. I mean, <laughs> if it is perfect, yeah. then it's not that heavy. It's just, again, uh, a little bit of if you've been under the bar and you've done it a few times, you kind of realize that pushing against a, a 95% weight is going to be a little bit difficult because it's really heavy, or at least relatively heavy to you. So <clears throat> I think that's a, a really interesting point. And I think it's then also interesting to touch on what S&C coaches can learn from physios because obviously uh, physios can learn a lot from SNC, but this is going to be the case the other way around too. So, what do you think SNC coaches can then learn from their, their physio uh, compadres as such? So, again, I probably think the best thing that you know a well read, evidence based physio can teach a strength and conditioning coach is about the complexity and the nuances around pain. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're an S&C coach and you're seeing uh, one of your athletes, one of your clients who's got some niggles, some aches some pains and some discomfort, I think, you know, you could speak to a physiotherapist and a good to say well-read evidence-based physio who's not one of these numpties who thinks all pain is damaging and harmful. We'll be able to advise you whether, you know, guide you and your client onto whether that pain can be worked through and can be carried on and doesn't need to be avoided. Or that does that pain needs to be shut down and it needs to have some temporary settling down to let it you know recover. So I think you know learning learning a bit more about pain is something that again is is useful I think for strength and conditioning coaches because I'm sure you all come across people that have some discomfort say that didn't feel right when they did something and you really need to know should, is it okay for them to carry on is it not. Do I need to shut them down? Can they carry on pushing through it? And again, I think a physio there is a well-read physio around pain and injury and pathology can give you some really useful advice and guidance there. So, you know, I just recently wrote a blog about this. I see, again, this disparity about saying, you know, all pain has to be avoided if it's of a certain particular pathology on a certain particular person. And I don't agree with that at all. I think I say over the years, and again, the evidence tells us that, there's lots of other reasons why we sometimes tell people to avoid pain or they can push through pain and confront it. It isn't just about their age. It isn't just about the pathology we think they've got. There's other factors around it. So I think a good physio can help a coach there hugely. Absolutely fantastic. So before we run out of too much time, I want to ask you what the, the most difficult question that we can think of, and that is what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from? Oh, I hate this question because it makes, <laughs> you, it makes you sound like a bit of an egotistical knobhead. Uh, um, so <laughs> well, with, with I, that I think, pretext, then obviously that's not the case anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Perhaps it makes me less egotistical and knobheadish. Um, I, I would probably say the one thing that I've got more comfortable with that I have that I do and I promote more often that I don't see being promoted by many others in healthcare or the fitness health industry is just say you're not sure or you don't know more often. Start to accept and recognize your own uncertainty. Now, I know people don't like to do that because it is hugely challenging and it can make us feel awkward and stupid and ignorant. But I have become more comfortable and quite happier now to say quite publicly and in front of clients and patients and other physios is like, I'm not quite sure what's going on there now. Okay, I get a bit more frustrated now with people that are too certain, that are a little bit more black and white, who are definitive that they know what's right and what's wrong. 
I'm not like that anymore. I used to be, but I think again, with age, maturity and experience, I've started to realize that I am more comfortable with uncertainty and the shades of gray. So I prefer to talk now in terms of probabilities rather than definitives. So I tend to say this has a 90% chance of getting better. If we do this, this could go 50-50. You know, definitely don't do that. That's got a 75% chance of fucking you up any further if you carry on. So I tend to use these sort of terms rather than yes or no. So again, going back to my idol, Richard Feynman, he says, don't be afraid of not knowing things and accept that you'd rather have questions that can't be answered rather than having answers that can't be questioned. So I think I say that would be my top tip and advice is just to start to be a bit more honest and humble and accept when you don't know things or you're not sure about things. Absolutely brilliant. So Adam, massive thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for having me on. Enjoy. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Adam for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our free seven-day trial of the Coach Academy. Our Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you enjoyed today's podcast and you think, hey, I can learn something from Physio or from SNC, be sure to get into the Coach Academy. There are loads of different lectures in there and you can definitely profit from having a look in there completely for free using the link in the show notes. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, be sure also to hit the subscribe button. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests. And of course, it means that you won't miss out on next week's fantastic episode. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport and I'll speak to you next week.